got a question for you. What's the biggest asset in your business that if nurtured the right way can determine your success or if left alone and neglected can determine your failure as well? Time's up. I reckon it's our people. And as our guest this week, Sue Muller from the Pharmaceutical Locum Co. shares with us, it's often when we don't have the right people in our business, it's because we've recruited them the wrong way or we've taken some shortcuts in the outset. So if you'd like to learn some strategies to help you recruit the right people the first time, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, All that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 84. Now, as you may already be guessing by the sound of my voice, I'm not 100% at the moment. Our entire family, would you believe, have had the cold, the flu, and everything in between throughout this week. And I've probably copped it the least, uh, so that I've been spending the best part of this week not only looking after myself, but also the family as well. But if you're interested, we're all on the path to getting better right now. And of course, we can't miss bringing you another episode of Transformation. As I shared with you in the introduction, there is no greater bane on any pharmacy owner's life than recruiting the right people. And certainly not just recruiting the right people, but once you've brought a person into your pharmacy, hoping that you can get the best performance out of them, not only for them individually, but their contribution to not only the performance of the team, but the dynamic of the team as well, which is always something that keeps us up at night. We've always got those conversations going around that we hope that everyone just gets along and we continue to grow and prosper. And there's no better guest than this week in Sue Muller. In her 30 years of experience in pharmacy recruitment, she'll leave you with some great strategies of how you can go about that. I'm going to share with you in a moment a little change to the Transformation Show format and how that's come about and also how you can get involved. We'll have a quick check-in with you and the promise of this entire episode is we're going to keep it under half an hour, which is why I'm going to share with you the change to the format. So I engage with about 12 of our top listeners of the Transformation Show. I value every one of you that listen to it. If you're a new listener today, thank you for tuning in. And of course, if you've been with us since the beginning, or even for the last 50 or 60 odd episodes, we're up to 84 now. Thank you for your weekly commitment. I value that. Some of our members do provide me with weekly feedback, and I've gone to that 12 or 15 person group and you all know who you are and I've caught up with some of you in person in the last four to five weeks so if you didn't get an email it's because we've caught up during that time and I managed to get some feedback from you there as well but the key thing that I took away from it all is that you don't want a show that goes over an hour and we're now getting up probably close to an hour if not over every single week when we put together all the segments of the show, the first segment where I'll share a topical lesson or a little bit of training, we'll get into the interview, I'll share my three key learnings, we'll talk about a quote of the week and also what's happening next week, it does get over that one hour period. So 
So just make sure that we don't detract any of the value that's brought in there. I've taken the feedback from their top 12 listeners uh, that have uh, sent me back some great answers throughout this week. And I'd also like to invite everyone else, if you're interested of shaping and growing this show, to head across to robertstar.com forward slash VIP feedback. You're all very important people. And give me your honest opinion about the format of the show as we'll continue to evolve that over the coming weeks. And this is the first example that you'll get this week. So our episode today with Sue Muller will be a two-part series as well. So I'm going to keep this introduction all very, very short. And we're going to basically intersect some of the episodes with maybe a 10 to 15 minute show every two to three weeks where I'll share one of those topical lessons or trainings to be able to give you that without detracting from the overall time that you need to spend every single week. I value every minute that you give me and listen every week. So I want to make sure that I give you the biggest amount of value in the time that you have available to you as well. So stay tuned for that. I'd love you to head across to that link. I'll mention it again, robertstar.com forward slash VIP feedback. And there'll also be that link in the show notes here at robertstar.com forward slash episode 84 as well. This episode, like many in the past, is brought to you by Audible. And for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'm about to start listening, and I have been listening, I should say, to The Blue Ocean Strategy by W. Chan Kim and Renee Morgburn, which was one that Debbie Rigby mentioned all the way back about five or six weeks ago at the moment, which you could download or another audiobook by trying audible.com. So to download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. And if you'd like to click on the link in the show, notes, it'll take you in there and you'll have your free audiobook as soon as this episode's all wound up as well. How's your week been? Has it been a good one? I know that we've been sharing a lot of people management strategies in the last few weeks and we'll have a few more coming your way. Uh, things about uh, psycho profiles and how we can use personality testing to get our dynamic of our teams, which will be coming your way very shortly. Managing change, particularly when it comes to technology is another big one. So I'd love to know how you're implementing some of this into your business as well. I know it can be quite overwhelming, which is why we're trying to break it down in these smaller chunks, but I'd love to know how you're going. Nonetheless, we're going to head across to Sue. I hope you enjoy it. And at the end, I'll share with you what's coming your way next week, and I'll catch you on the other side. Our interview today is with Sue Muller. She's a pharmacist and a pharmacy recruitment expert and the owner of the pharmaceutical locum company. So for over 30 years, she's provided expert pharmacy recruitment advice to pharmacists just like you. They've been awarded the Emergency Rural Locum Service and in 2005, she won the Telstra Small Business Award in New South Wales. And she wants to be known for providing the best pharmacy recruitment service in Australia. Sue Muller, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thank you. Oh, look, great to have you on, Sue. And I know that uh, we caught up just even recently at PBN and uh, you know, it was a fantastic uh, session you did on recruitment there. But uh, I suppose as many, as many of our listeners may not be aware, um, you began your career as a pharmacist. And um, I suppose we'd, I'd love to certainly know why you then decided to specialise in pharmacy recruitment. 
Well, I had been uh, working in the UK for a while and then I came back to Australia and started to work as a locum and uh, many moons ago that was and uh, in those days there were quite a few jobs around and basically I was offered more work than I had days in my week. So I started to call up a few friends when I knew I couldn't do a job and I offered the work to them and after a little while I thought there's obviously a need for this sort of service and um, why don't I turn it into a business so initially I was still working uh, some of the week and at first I was actually working the whole week and doing this at night and uh, then gradually I worked less in pharmacy and more on this and until it just took over my life. <laughs> oh look certainly you know it has its it has its certainly challenges in every pharmacy and it's one of those things that uh, you know such a critical aspect of uh, you know the, I guess the success and failures of a lot of business in getting your people right but uh, there probably would not be a year that I think any of us may be thinking where we haven't had to recruit a staff member. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Yeah, look, certainly, you know, particularly, I guess, with that, with the with the challenges we're seeing at the moment, you know, in the last fifteen years, I think every one of us is very familiar with our challenges. Um, you know, seeing a lot of us needing to do more with less in our pharmacies, and uh, and often, you know, some colleagues are saying that reducing staff is their best strategy. I guess improving that profitability in an, in a short term manner. But I guess, what have you seen in the last fifteen years, particularly um, in the recruiting of team members? And, you know, is there been good, bad or otherwise um, happening in that space? Well, the main thing I've seen is the, you know, the fluctuations in, in the number of candidates that are available. I mean, when I went through pharmacy, there was um, basically one university in every state um, offering a, a pharmacy degree and now there are I think 19 pharmacy uh, schools around the country so obviously that's impacted on the the choice that people have of, of candidates and um, there was a time probably uh, you know one to two years ago where the the market was absolutely flooded with choice and people would have maybe 10 resumes placed on their their dispensary bench every week so they there was enormous choice of candidates but what i've noticed lately is those numbers seem to have dried up whether there are pharmacists leaving the profession. I think I've heard uh, in a lot of cases some go on to study medicine or dentistry because they're disillusioned with pharmacy. And uh, so, you know, this this has impacted on the numbers and some just leave and go to to do other things entirely because um, at one stage they felt that it was just too difficult to find a job. Mm. 
And, and and I think you know, also you know when we hear a lot of stories, particularly at PBN just recently, of young pharmacists you know looking for opportunities and trying to you know establish themselves in specialisations and niches in professional services. There's also that uh, you know challenge of transitioning pharmacies into you know the next age of uh, professional services, and um, I guess really away from that transaction economy we talk a lot about where the businesses are relating, you know, supply and transaction services and not really playing a bigger role in the primary healthcare space as we can do. And we talk a lot about that. Um, but certainly, you know, it's, I guess, managing where people are at right now in their skills and also, I guess, putting them in the right place to maximise the opportunities in not only the pharmacies now, but in the future. Absolutely. And what the pharmacy owners um, need to realise is that when they are looking for a new candidate, it's really important that they make it clear to anybody who's, who's contemplating a change in their job that they they explain exactly what opportunities are there and what further training is available. So a person who's looking to expand their career and not just, you know, be out the back in the dispensary, um, that they will see that opportunity and and express interest in that job. Yeah, and and particularly even um, in a couple of episodes ago, talking with Catherine Bronger, uh, a great exponent of professional services and developing niches and opportunities in pharmacy, spoke about the concept of a pharmacist slasher, uh, where a pharmacist is a pharmacist and something else, whether it be a diabetic educator, naturopath, whether it be an asthma education that uh, Jared only just last week spoke about as well, that there's all mm. these additional opportunities, but perhaps the pharmacy workplaces haven't identified those and, you know, probably their best path to creating op- opportunity and diversification in their services may be partnering with these younger pharmacists as as well. But I guess in, in recent episodes, we've all also explored, you know, the need for our colleagues to be discovering a purpose in the pharmacy um, and themselves personally um, creating a strong culture and employee brand. And certainly with our mutual colleague, Roger Simpson, only a few weeks ago, reducing the churn of um, our best team members leaving us. But I guess in your opinion, how, how do we connect all this together um, to find the right people? Well, I think a lot of pharmacy owners have trouble expressing what sort of person they're after or what the culture, you know, they they can't really identify the culture of their pharmacy. I mean, uh, I think I spoke at PBN about a, a recent call while I was actually attending the PBN conference that um, a pharmacy owner rang and my colleague took the call and he wanted to list a full-time job. And when she asked to, um, to get some further information, you know, tell me about your business so that I'll understand it better and know what sort of person specifically 
would would suit the culture of your pharmacy. And he was unable to express what it was. He could talk about the script numbers. He could talk about, um, you know, the dispense software and whether there was a dispense tech. But beyond that, he was unable to step back and actually look at what the culture of that business was. And he basically said, oh, Sue listed a job with me some years ago. Um, she should know. Or, but, you know, we're not in the shop and we can't be in every single pharmacy that calls us to understand what the culture is. So I think, you know, pharmacists need to take that step back and, and look at what what is their, the culture of their intrinsic business. Yeah, well, as as Roger shared with us, you can't outsource the leadership of your business. Um, <laughs> you have to, you know, be the captain at the front steering the ship. You may not have to, you know, I guess metaphorically, you know, row the boat you know, all all around the all around the place and take all up all the roles on the ship. But ultimately, you need to be directing it into where where that's going. And uh, I guess that perhaps was also the challenge of of where pharmacy finds itself right now. In that, for so long, we have tried to be everything to everyone and that uh, you know we have not been able to distinguish what makes our pharmacies special and you know as we talk a lot about you know finding that specialization in your niche is certainly the key to unlocking you know the opportunities of the future you know whether that be in both your physical store but also in the online space as well yeah you I mean you may be um, you you know there to row the boat but when you do have a new staff member and someone who's young and 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 you know fairly recently out of university uh, you have to also have the ability to know when to take that step back and let that younger person use all their creative juices to you know give you new ideas and things that you would have never dreamed of yeah, yeah. Look, it, it's 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 certainly a world now littered with many opportunities, and there were some great business plans that I think we both enjoyed at PBN as well. Listening of where students are seeing the future of pharmacy, but it's really in enabling that connection uh, through the people, and you know that obviously begins with with recruitment. And I guess where we are right now in in, in that space, you know, I don't see a lot of recruitment specific strategies and processes put in place. I think we're all very used to uh, the quality care pharmacy framework, which uh, I think uh, to our detriment perhaps only is reviewed every few years and really is a, a cut and paste job of the templates that uh, are provided. But, you know, is it what you're saying that, you know, perhaps we're, we're just not seeing it as a strategic element of our business and we're just seeing people as a function rather than, uh, I guess, a vital um, component of our business? Yeah, absolutely. And what also um, is the case that uh, what's arisen over the last few years is also these opportunities, which are, you know, obviously, it's very seductive to think that you can recruit somebody at no cost. And there are, you know, opportunities on Facebook and opportunities on other websites where you basically post your ad and um, 
you know, some random person applies and you think that this is the answer to your prayers, um, I'm the first person to absolutely love anything to do with technology. And I also, uh, when I was revamping my website, I considered perhaps some sort of website where You know, people could post jobs and just link with anybody. And I decided against it because it's all very well to be high tech. But I think in recruitment, it's essential to be high touch. And what we offer um, is that individual intervention that you can't get from any of those sites. I mean, we have a database that's, um, you know, been established for up to almost 30 years where we, we document everything about an individual. And when the pharmacy owner does describe the business, we're able to you know, the person may apply on our website, but we just don't send the first person that comes along. We intervene and we have a look at that person and we look at the sort of role thereafter and we see if the the two are a good fit. And that's something that you could never get in any of those other, you know, free sites. Mm. Well, look, certainly I think, you know, we're very guilty of, you know, perhaps being too too reactive and uh, possibly out of desperation, just grabbing the first person that uh, walks in through the door thinking, well, we've got a three-month probationary period, we'll just bring them in and I'm sure we'll be able to road test them uh, during that time frame. And, you know, it just doesn't seem to work that well that way because, you know, it's very obviously expensive in that process to have to bring someone in that may disrupt your culture or perhaps if you don't have a culture they'll bring their culture or their previous experience with them uh, which uh, adds an added layer of complexity to your business Um, but you know it's certainly something that uh, you know I see a lot less of a proactive approach as opposed to being more reactive. Yeah, absolutely. When I, uh, I think I asked the question at the um, PBN as to how many people had just Um, chosen somebody because they were desperate to fill a role. So they put an ad somewhere. um, They got a a heap of resumes. Maybe half of them didn't even speak English. They then had to spend time going through the remaining resumes to see if anybody was uh, remotely suitable as far as a skill set was concerned. Then they start to spend time ringing them. Nobody's available or rings back and one person happens to answer their phone and be free for an interview. So they call them in and offer them the job. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, (laughs) not really a good use of your time and the chances of that person uh, being the right one for your business, I'd say uh, are fairly minimal. (laughs) Well, I suppose that's the backward of the uh, the common cliche in in from what I've seen in recruiting, in that uh, you know to, you're supposed to be hiring slow and firing fast, but this was a case of uh, fire, hiring hiring fast and yeah. Uh, yeah, probably a slow burn to move them out. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. And and what happens as well when people um, do enter a business, um, that induction process is critical because a lot of pharmacy owners think, oh, you know, they work with this dispense software, they, they worked for a couple of years in this business, they should be fine in mine, but they don't realise how critical that induction process is. We had a, a case recently of a fantastic pharmacist who we put into a part-time position and um, about three weeks or four weeks later, we get a call from the owner saying, you know, not really that happy with this person. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And so we we spoke to them and we said, look, um, are they aware of, of what the requirements are? Did you actually have a, a formal induction when you started? And they said, no, we just figured that they'd been in a similar role before, so they should know what to do. So we encouraged them with what needed to be done, and the person ended up staying, you know, a couple of years yeah, look, and it's even more important now that we're seeing all of these pharmacy roles changing and evolving as as well. You know, one of the biggest opportunities we talk about is the ability to automate our non-patient facing activities. And, you know, that's through things like robotics and process automation tools. And, you know, the biggest threat that, you know, we often discuss is the fact that, you know, people in the pharmacy who may have been performing these manual non-patient facing tasks feel threatened and uh, unable to fathom where their role in the pharmacy may fit. So the, the need to communicate the expectation and the changing platform around us has never been more, never been more critical, particularly also with the growing amount of professional services opportunities that we're now seeing and you know, we'll see further in developing through the six CPA. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, you, you talk about communication and that communication is is critical also in the whole recruitment process after you've placed somebody in a role for people to get feedback on how they've been doing since they've started and have regular meetings and, and you know, um, try and unite the team members and have group activities. That communication is really critical. Yeah, and, and I guess there's also roles that perhaps we can identify, you know, not just in pharmacy businesses, but in general small businesses that never existed before that are starting to bob up. I know when we were focusing on social media a few months ago, uh, the whole concept of that being a strategic element of the business rather than, you know, just throwing something up on Facebook or Twitter and so forth, but really taking it seriously as a marketing strategy requires someone in the pharmacy who may be able to fulfill that role on an everyday basis rather than adding to our colleagues not ever-growing number of hats that they may need to wear and that you know we're seeing digital natives come into the business and it could be a case of being able to redeploy some of our you know team members that have been in processes that no longer are current and are redundant um, into newer areas that uh, can help and help grow the business. Yeah, and I'm sure they'd absolutely love it. Imagine being paid to be on social media. 
Well, there's an ever-growing number of it, and uh, I guess it sometimes is around the, the quality of uh, stuff that goes on social media, but I think we're probably too scared too much of uh, what the bad stuff that can happen there. But, uh, you know, it is a very powerful tool, and I guess if more of our pharmacy patients are spending time in that environment, like any other medium, whether it's been in years gone by, TV, radio, it's a place for us to really be communicating when they're not in front of us in the pharmacy. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, I guess for for our colleagues, you know, where they are right now, and I guess we're at all different levels. Um, you know, we're often trying to look at recruitment and think, well, you know, how can we do it right? But at the same time, you know, I guess the double-edged sword is everyone wants to save time, stress and, uh, and money. Um, and you mentioned some of the recruitment sites and certainly a, a quick Google search that I'm, I'm just doing right now, you know, brings up several pages of potential places where pharmacy jobs may sit and no wonder it's so uh so i guess disenchanting for anyone looking to place an ad as i guess even first before they've even written it where to where to actually publish it so i, I guess what what tips could you give our colleagues in terms of you know the best place to start in that environment well, I'm sure you'll agree there's few people in this industry that know as much about recruitment as Sue does. And you'll hear more about her best strategies coming your way next week in part two. If you've loved this episode, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every one of them. And our guests like Sue today only too happy to respond individually for you as well. Have a great week, everyone. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.